America is live and underway here on ESPN Plus alongside Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebastian Salazar. You've long asked the question, what happens when production has too much time on its hands? There you go. I think we, we just there saw the answer. So there my it is, man. Kelini El yeah. Kelini. Yeah, El Kelini, uh, hermano, ya eres mexicano. Yeah, he loves uh, tacos, he loves guac. Does not like pineapple on his pizza, but mm. he enjoys a good taco. Well, remember, I think when we had him in studio, he was like, he was amazed at all the different sauces that he found in Los Angeles. I'm sure now he's getting accustomed. He knows what, what to use the guacamole on, what to use the ta- what to use sauces on, which tacos. He's getting it all sorted out. Yeah, I hope yeah? he's gone to Leo's and got some good pastor tacos. Have you been to Leo's tacos? Yeah, yeah you not. have. We've taken have you. Yes, we've taken you. Okay, did you pay? Production. Uh, I may have paid. Okay, there, that's all that, uh, that all that matters. We got a lot coming up uh, on this show. Interviews with Pellegrino Matarazzo, of course, the manager, the American-born manager of Stuttgart in the Bundesliga. The Bundesliga season starting in 24 hours, Herc. Of course, that available for you all season long here on ESPN+. We're also going to have an interview with Amanda Vandervoort. She's the president of USL Super League, which is going to be their second division in the women's game next year. Also, the... Uh, USL W League, which just wrapped up their first campaign. Plus, we got the latest on a busy transfer window, which today, today, hours ago, minutes ago, just closed across Major League Soccer. But let's start, Herc, with an event that you and I were at last night here in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium, the 2022 League's Cup Showcase. Sort of the bridge to the big, big event, which we know will kick off next year. Of course, uh, for the biggest brands in all of North American soccer on display, it was sold out. Over 71,000 in attendance. The first ever soccer games at SoFi Stadium. The uh, Galaxy beat Chivas 2-0. Dejan Jovalic and Jonathan Perez, the goal scorers in that one. Second game was 0-0 between LAFC and America. America winning 6-5 on penalties. I was looking up the attendance, right? 71,189. You know what the attendance was at the Super Bowl? What was it? Which was, what, uh, nine months ago in the same building? Correct. 70,048. So the League's Cup Showcase had a better attendance mm. than the Super Bowl, Herc. Something, nothing, or everything. <laughs> Why are you the way you are? Because I'm exagerado and you know it. Yeah, um, well, it's not nothing because mm-hmm. if you can pack in midweek 72K, you said? Yep, just short of that. For... A glorified friendly to showcase between two teams, but granted, three of those four teams are struggling, mm-hmm. if you will, in league's play. <laughs> you get that kind of turnout, it's definitely something, right? Why uh, not everything? But it can't be everything because we're comparing it to the Super Bowl. I mean, think about this for a second. Mm-hmm. Cheapest ticket for a league's cup match, let's go on the high side, maybe right. $100. Okay. For last night, you're saying. Yeah. For last night. And there was a lot of demand. Yeah. Huge demand. $100. Right. That's, that's not an... Easy ticket. That's not like, I'm going to go take out my family of five and, you know, okay. What do you think the cheapest ticket was for the Super Bowl? Sure, much more. $6,000. No, not much more. $6,000. I was at the Super Bowl Mm -hmm. in that stadium. Did you pay for your $6,000 ticket? No, I did not. (laughs) Thank you very much, ESPN. But I was at the Super Bowl. Yeah. It's something different. Okay, you're comparing ticket prices. Let me ask you about a comparison in atmosphere because I thought the atmosphere in there was electric last night with one notable exception, something we've talked about a lot on this show. We did hear the chant. We heard it multiple times uh, and there was no stoppage in play. That aside, and that is a big aside, we'll always say that. I thought the atmosphere was just like really, really remarkable. I wonder how you thought the atmosphere from this compared to the atmosphere at a Super Bowl, which usually is much more corporate. Of course, when the Rams were playing, it was somewhat of a home field advantage. You say the atmosphere was better last night? You mentioned corporate. I think that's a perfect way to describe the atmosphere at the Super Bowl. It's right. great. Totally. It's an awesome atmosphere. You're going to have your little concert. You're going to see a yep. great spectacle. It's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of experience. But it does feel corporate. Mm. This is a fiesta. Yeah. This is yeah. electric. This is in your face, for better or worse. And it was in your face in a way that I've not experienced. I don't know if you've experienced this. But think about a place anywhere else around the world where right. you can put two of the most hated rivalries, Mm -hmm. okay? Like Chivas and a Club America. Right. Two of the most storied franchises, biggest brands in Mexico. The LA Galaxy, the franchise brand of what was Major League Soccer for the longest time with its new neighbor and their big stars. Put them all in the same place. Yeah, and not have any problems. And not have any problems. With the aside, of course, of hearing the chant. With the we, can't, we can't say no problems. But yeah, we were all surprised that there wasn't I, I'm, violence, I'm surprised. Right? We were you know t- kind of taken aback. It was a very, I don't want to say family friendly, but it, was, it, was a, it felt like a very safe environment for having all sorts of Tinder yes. in there. I'll, I'll, in go, I'll go really quickly back to the chant. It was maybe what? The sound system wasn't working? 
No, because we heard that. Right, we heard right. the them run test on it right. right before the game. So we know that was up and running. So I, I don't know what's going on right there. Um, but, yes, much more of a family environment, yep. much more of a festivity, a fest, yep. uh, festival, if you will, a celebration, a showcase in every sense of the term. It was like, unlike an atmosphere I've ever experienced. Right. All right, so the bigger question is then, because I think what we saw last night really is, the best case scenario. You have yeah. the biggest brands possible in this competition, and you had them in the best market possible in this competition. Yep. So if we roll it forward from 2022 to 2023, is what we saw last night something that you can carry over once everybody's involved, once all 47 teams in the two, two leagues are involved? If you're asking me if we're going to see the same type of environment from day one, right. no, because you've mentioned – and you said it, and it's clearly what we have to focus on here. That's a hand-picked best-case scenario. I'm taking the two of the biggest brands here and two of the biggest brands there and putting them into the, the mecca of football on the West Coast, yep. which is Los Angeles. And the right? home market for two of those brands. And the home market for two of those brands. That's best-case scenario for everybody who runs Leagues Cup, for, for everybody who works in television. That's what you want. But I was working Football Picante a while ago, maybe six, seven months ago, when the idea of Leagues Cup and the format of the tournament, the Mini World Cup, came about. And I was with Chelis, mm. who was an ex-coach of mine at Puebla, who now works with us in TV. He's our colleague. And he said... This is terrible. Could you imagine Cincinnati versus Puebla in a neutral venue? And this is a guy who coached Chivas USA, too. So. This is a guy who coached Chivas USA. But it's true. You may get a lot of more of those games that people are just going to be like, right. whatever. Unless you're a Cincinnati fan, unless you're a Puebla fan, unless you're a Querétaro fan or a San Jose fan, you're not going to really care about. But when you get into the nitty-gritty, when you get into the upper echelon, when you get to the elite, the cream of the crop, that's when it gets good. So what they're banking on, basically, is that people who like individual teams will care when it's not their team playing against an MLS. And to, to that end, I was interested in something last night because the Chivas Galaxy game was half full, right? right. It, and he, I think that was, well, whatever. It wasn't full, right? It wasn't full for the first game. And I think that was reflected not just in the atmosphere, but in kind of the intensity of the game itself. For the LAFC America game, it was packed. And what that tells me is, yes, LAFC and America fans were there. You know what else it tells me? The Galaxy fans stayed. The Chivas fans stayed. And I know that I know that LAFC has its interests and its stars, and America has its reasons to watch too. But if I'm Liga Mekis or if I'm MLS, that makes me hopeful. Not that, not that everybody is going to watch Cincinnati Puebla, but that there will be some interest from people not involved can in I, those games. Can I increase your hope here? Okay. The producer just whispered something into my ear. Go on. <laughs> the, the little angel right here. Angel uh, devil depends on the, the producer and I live in Los Angeles. Yes, okay. It's 5.30 midweek in Los Angeles. Yes. On the 405 ah, to yes. get to the state. You think people are going to go out of work? And get there. Listen, the Laker games, Clipper games, whatever you want, the same thing happens. People are fashionably late in Los Angeles, but they still show up, and you saw that. Okay. Uh, another thing that will dictate, I think, just how much the intensity of last night carries over is the prize money, which we have been hearing of late is going to be pretty big. So once we really get a grasp Ooh. of what that is, how it compares to, like, MLS Cup and CONCACAF Champions Could you League. imagine if it's more? Oh, I, I think it has to be more, right? It has to be more to, to really get these. What would that do to the player? Oh, to buy in. Yeah, it'll definitely be, uh, be intense for sure. Speaking of, we had a chance uh, last night to talk to Mikel Arriola, the president of Liga Mekis. And of course, of course, it was a Hercules Gomez question mm. that led to the headline quote from Arriola. Uh, let's listen in here. Are you worried that maybe Liga Mekis could be falling behind a bit in terms of competitors? Because we've already seen the Campeones Cup where Columbus wins. We've seen the uh, CONCACAF Nations League that the U.S. wins. Copa, Copa Oro Gold Cup that the U.S. wins. Uh, World Cup qualifiers that Mexico couldn't beat Canada or the U.S. We now are seeing well, League Cups games, the CONCACAF Champions League. Are you worried in those terms and competitiveness about falling behind? I am worried and I'm working mm. because uh, the level of investment of uh, uh, MLS increased five, 600% uh, in 12 years, we want that kind of investment because if we don't do that, we will lose in the following five years. So the main plan of uh, the Mexican League is to increase the level of investment. 
All right, Herc, so some interesting comments there from Ariola. He says he's worried. I wonder which side you think he's more worried about in terms of keeping up or getting surpassed by MLS. Is he worried more on the field, i.e. sporting, or off the field, i.e. business? Business, financial. That's what it comes down to. It's, it's the numbers. It's the money. Because the first thing he says, he's talking about investment, 600%. Talking right. about falling behind in the money. Where is this money that Major League Soccer is getting? Why can't we get some of this money? Because if it was sporting, well, you wouldn't be uh, going looking for a marriage with Major League Soccer. You'd be going back to Copa Libertadores, mm. Sudamericana. You'd be saying, hey, this national team, maybe we play a little bit more Copa America. What can we do to get better in our football, on the field, sporting-wise? Not how can I make my wallet fatter because we know that this rivalry sells. Do you think he was also maybe a little bit selling, not the rivalry, but the League's Cup to kind of tell us, hey, no, in Mexico, we are worried. We do think of MLS as a rival. I, he did also answer the question, I think it's important to say, when we asked him directly about kind of how he felt about Seattle Sounders winning that first CONCACAF Champions League and it happening under his watch, he did seem a little bit hurt, you know? You won't find that? I don't know. Come on, come he, on. He's very political. I asked him about promotion relegation, and they put a pause on it. He's like, wow, there's no pause. We have it going on. Yeah, they got a requisite where you have to go through, jump through hurdles and do this and that, and there's only like three certified teams that can actually get promoted. So it's not really promotion relegation. That's expansion. Do you, do you think he's not actually worried about on the field? Because the, the data would suggest over the last decade that he should be. The gap is definitely closing, and over the last five years, it's closing quickly. He, maybe, he should be because you want to compete and you want to continue to be the best. So, yeah, you worry about who's number two. You worry about your dance partner. But what's the most watched league in the United States? Well, it, it's Liga Mekis. But if you don't take care of business, you won't be that for long, right? <laughs> what's the most popular national team? Mexico. Mexico. Okay, but if any business is just going to sit on its laurels and say, well, we got it now. What happened to Major League Baseball? What happened to horse racing? What happened to boxing? Those were all the top dogs at one point. Well, Major League Baseball is still top dog in their sport. Okay, yes. They are not, no, they are no, okay. <laughs> we're not going to do this. God. Can't do anything. Let's move on to uh, some other news of the day. Jorge Sanchez. No, I mean. Go to Jorge Sanchez. <laughs> Incredible, dude. Incredible. Uh, the move to Ajax looks like it's a done deal. The 24-year-old American Mexican national team right back is reportedly going to sign a five-year contract with the Dutch Giants. He'll join up with El Tri teammate and also a former America player, Edson Alvarez. Uh, Ajax are the defending champions of the Eredivisie, which of course means Champions League football. Uh, and according to Tudene, the fee will be what? Right around $3 million. So, Herc, what do we think about this as a landing place for Jorge Sanchez? And again, what is a World Cup year? I love it. Love I it. absolutely love it. I wish this was the landing place. This was the move for Diego Linus. Like, this is such a great move for him. You talk about a defender who's still very raw, mm-hmm. a, a player who's still very raw, but the intangibles are there. I mean, as a defender, how athletic he is, how, how he's so committed to defending his, his ability to get up and down in the field. He's raw, absolutely, but he's in a great tactical league. He's going to be in a setup where they're going to develop as well. Mm-hmm. Few leagues, few setups like Ajax will actually demand mm-hmm. that you win, but also develop you. Right. And this is one of those situations. And if, I know he's prone for his mistake or two, but what defender in CONCACAF, young defender, mm-hmm. isn't? Now, if you don't think he's good, go back and watch Mexico versus the U.S. men's national team mm. at Azteca. Christian Pulisic may still be in his pocket. Yeah, he at his best is very, very good, especially defensively. Uh, I think, to your point, and America fans especially will know this, there's some there's some big mistakes in his game. Um, and, you know, hopefully going to a place like Ajax is, is, is a place where you clean that up. Look, I think this is perfect. This yeah. is the perfect move. It's the perfect league. Yeah. It's the perfect club. Uh, you talk about maybe a... a adjusting or improving on some of those defensive liabilities. When you go to a place like Ajax in the Eredivisie, you're going to get tested, right? We know it's a very open league. He's going to get tested some one-on-one. I also think this, his final product for a right back is not necessarily like world-class consistent yet. Dude, at Ajax, in that league, they're going to demand that of you. So I think, you know, when I think about the national team, you want a right back that can not just lock it down. In modern football, you want a guy who can get forward, create some assists, create some mismatches down that right flank. I think him going here is a really, really good opportunity for him to do that. 
I, I just think it solidifies it, locks down his position as the top right back in the Mexican you pool. You think it does? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's another, the other good reason for Ajax is that they've just moved on a right back, right? Masraoui's gone to Bayern Munich. Uh, he goes on a free, but that proves, I think, two things. One, that there's space here for Jorge Sanchez, and two, that it is what we already knew. Ajax is an amazing platform if it's going right. to give you the chance to go from a club like Ajax to eventually a place Only like Bayern 3 Munich. Million. Wow. Right? Does that surprise you, that number? Uh, that, yeah, I mean. In, in that it's low or what? Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah. times have changed, but I was sold for $3 million at Cholos. So. Okay. <laughs> you were sold to $3 million. That was back in the it was a, it was a 10 period. years ago. Yeah. yeah. Well. So uh, there he is, the 24-year-old right back uh, for Club America, Jorge Sanchez, is moving on to Ajax. Let's pull out a little bit uh, bigger picture then, right? Because, of course, Jorge Sanchez, part of the Mexican national team. We know it's been a busy transfer window for Mexico players. We know also, Herc, it's been a very busy window for players in the U.S. men's national team pool. So as we look ahead to the upcoming World Cup, which national team do you think has had a better summer transfer window? <laughs> Why are you the way you are? Um, Busco polemica. Yeah. Okay. If we're going on facts, it's got to be the U.S. men's national team, right? What I mean, else do we go on on this show? No, 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 because I know where you want to <laughs> go with this. But, okay, how can I say it's not a program that's shipping players off into the Premier League and okay. set up like Crystal Palace, Leeds, uh, Arsenal, uh, play, sending players to, to the Bundesliga, to La Liga. I mean, yes. It's got to be the U.S. men's national team. I understand this. Like we're in we're in a, a world and in a time and in an era where I shouldn't be surprised, but this still surprises me, right? I shouldn't be surprised, but this is now the norm. So to me, it's not so much about where they're going; it's who's going, because those are guys who have huge roles within the U.S. Yes, pool. yes, they have huge roles, and. I love that it's Brendan Aronson, Mr. Football Americas. Love that it's Tyler Adams, Captain America. I think that's the true captain for the U.S. Men's National Team okay. under, under Greg Berhalter. I, I love that they're impact players. Uh, Chris Richards could be the starting center back in the World Cup. I love all that. But it's not the U.S. Men's National Team program. What? What? It's the Mexican program. All right, now you're just now you're just messing with me. I never thought I would see the day. Mm. And certainly not in two weeks' time, because that's right, what we're seeing, right. where there's an exodus of players leaving Liga MX mm -hmm. and heading to Europe at whatever level. Mm -hmm. Now, the American prospect has so many different avenues of getting to Europe. Right, right. A passport, academies, um, that are foreign academies in the States, USL, MLS, uh, whatever the college, whatever the case may be. The Mexican players only have Liga Mekis. And for the longest time, they were held hostage by Mexican ownerships. Now you're getting Mexican ownerships who see the validity, validity excuse me, who see value mm. in being participants in the world market. I never thought I would see this. And now you have a plethora of players going abroad, young players, right. players that didn't do processos, didn't knock it out of the park in Liga Mekis, weren't goal-scoring champions, then left. Players that had, like Santi Jimenez, five goals, then leaves. All of a sudden, they recognize the value of the market. I never thought I would see that in Mexican football. So it's impossible, I think, if we're just thinking about the current national team pool, 2022, this World Cup, not to say it's the United States, right? That list of players is going to have a much bigger role in Qatar. So them moving into good spots is going to much more quickly and positively impact the U.S. national team. The list of players that we saw for Mexico, the guys you were kind of reading off, they're very young. Very young. They're very, very Campos young. So, 19. Right. you got a lot of teenagers, guys. Uh, Omar Campos, Jordan Carrillo. Marcelo these are guys who are 20, yeah. 21 years old at the max. So I think if you think about like 20, 26, there's going to be a big impact. But I'm with you. In terms of significance, this is business as usual, maybe a, a good summer of business as usual for the U.S. men's national team pool. This is groundbreaking. Yeah. It feels like maybe iceberg cracking. Groundbreaking might be too strong. It feels like the iceberg is cracking for the Mexican men's national <laughs> team pool and getting players over to Europe. So in that way, I would say big picture, you could make the case this is more significant to Mexico. But, but I, I think in, in, the, in the here and now, it's got to be the U.S. Yes, and here and now it's the U.S. But look at the number of players, Mexican players that have left. I don't think you had that many transfers to Europe in the last five years. Yeah. We're <laughs> also, in the last two weeks. We're also looking at this very much in like who had the better transfer window based on where people moved in a yeah. positive sense. There's also the discussion of 
well, what happened to guys who moved and, and did it hurt the team? Like, from a Mexico perspective, you got guys who left the European theater. You got Hache who left to go to Houston Correct. Dynamo. You got Araujo, who left to come back to Club America. Maybe you would look at it from the U.S. perspective, too, a guy like Matt Turner. Does him leaving consistent minutes and going to a place where he's probably not going to get minutes hurt the team as a whole? We, we didn't really sign on the San Jose Earthquakes. I'm starting that one. Oh, really? That's, <laughs> that's the next on your, uh, on your transfer rumor mill? Yes. Beautiful. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, okay, well, listen, we got uh, La Liga, of course, starting up soon on ESPN+. Plus. Club friendly coming up this weekend. Tecatito Sevilla against uh, Cadiz. Good little uh, tune-up game. One of the final tune-ups ahead of the start of the La Liga season, which, of course, is next week. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Go to Major League Soccer. The good, the bad, and the ugly from a midweek in MLS. Start with the good. The Montreal Impact, Herc, with two goals in the last few minutes for a comeback 2-1 victory over Montreal. The first goal in the comeback, by the way, Kai Kamara, Herc, now third all-time on the MLS scoring charts. Yeah, let me get a second, my boy, Kai. 37 years old, scores his 134th goal in Major League Soccer history. That's third all-time. There are only two people that have scored more goals than him in this league. Uh, one is Landon Donovan, the U.S. Men's National Team legend. The other is Chris Wondolowski, the all-time leading goal scorer. But for Kai Kamara, one of the best stories in Major League Soccer. I mean, from working Galaxy game days when I was a player, literally event game day, picking up trash, to being in the D3 college program, Dominguez Hills, to Major League Soccer, to Europe, to back to Major League Soccer, to being this. I mean, the guy's an all-time great guy, one of the best stories in Major League Soccer. This is great to see. Absolutely. Another uh, great story is Montreal right now. With these three points, they climb up to third place uh, in the Eastern Conference, rolling quite along. And then uh, Columbus, by the way, sixth right now in the East. They're in a real playoff dog fight. The bad, the transfer deadline. We're going to tie that in here. And this is really about the team's that didn't make a move? Because we know there are some teams that did make big moves. Herc, of those who didn't make a move, who are you most disappointed in, most let down in? The champ. I'm disappointed by the champs. And New York City FC, not only did you lose your head coach mm-hmm. midseason, all right, you don't have to replace him, fine. <laughs> but you lost Tati Castellanos. I mean, you lost the face of the franchise. You lost the guy who scores the goals for you. Mm. And you're only three points away from Philly, the conference leader. Right. You're still, I would say, in theory of having, bringing in a piece Mm. or maybe two and being a legitimate contender to repeat. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. I'm looking at the East. Uh, I think New York City is is a team that, for me, kind of fits a different criteria because right now they're very solidly above the playoff line. Not to say you don't need to replace a Tati Castellanos, but... Maybe you don't need to as urgently, right? I'm looking at big teams, big clubs, the clubs we expect to compete where there is expectations, exigencia. And then I'm looking for those teams that are below the playoff line. And if I look in the East, I'm looking at a team like Atlanta United. If I look in the West, Turk, I'm looking at a team like the LA Galaxy, though they did make the Ricky Pooch big move. I'm also looking, we saw the video there, at a team like Seattle, who right now are on the playoff line. They're seventh, but we found out today from Brian Schmetz, it looked like they did have at least some interest in Luis Suarez. They don't end up getting him. You feel like Seattle, and, and hear me out here. You feel like Seattle might have made a move, not just because of what they're going through, all the injury issues, but because of what LAFC did. I think we can't ignore the, the bar that LAFC set for everybody. You think it puts pressure on everybody else. Especially in the West. Especially yeah. in the UCLAFC go out and do that. 
I feel if you're if you're Seattle, if you're anybody who really wants to compete in the West, you almost had to do something to, to respond. Yeah, Seattle's issues are more health, right? Joao Paulo right. goes down to ACL right before the season starts. You don't want to see that. Then his backup, who everybody's gonna, everybody's been saying is going to be crazy good, uh, Obed Vargas, mm. breaks his back literally. So you maybe need another nine because uh, Rui Diaz has been injury prone this season. They don't do that. Luis Suarez. There was some interest there, maybe on both parties. Didn't happen. So, yes, maybe adding death, maybe adding an actual playmaker that will do something there in that spine could have been good. But you look at a team like Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Like, theirs is, isn't just like, hey, we're waiting for guys to come back. Like, their guys are going to be just out. Ozzy Alonso Center, or as a defensive midfielder, he's out. He's been irreplaceable. Uh, Brad Guzan, what, Raul Gudinho comes in, you think he's going to be the replacement. He can't even play there. And then you don't know what's going on with Joseph. Do you really need to bring in that kind of big-name player to fill the shoes of when Joseph may leave, this could have been the time. It just felt like there's another missed opportunity for them as well. You know, when I think of Atlanta and Seattle, I think there's also some context we have to give there. Darren Eels is leaving Atlanta right now. I wonder if, if in terms of like summer transfer window, the work that has to go into that, when somebody like that leaves the club, do you maybe miss an opportunity? Maybe it's a similar situation in Seattle. We've seen Garth Lagerwey list linked to like a bunch of teams. Across Atlanta being one of them. Atlanta being if one I, of them. If I was Atlanta, I'd offer him a blank check. Really? Really? I, you see what I did there? I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Uh, no, but I think, I think that can also kind of play a role in terms of getting these deals done, which teams were active, which teams weren't. Maybe some leadership change plays into that. Let's talk about the teams that did get big moves done over the course of the summer transfer window, because that's the next question here, Hercules Gomez, uh, is of all the big moves that we saw across MLS, which team do you think was the biggest winner over the course of the summer transfer window? Don't say Hercules Gomez. I feel like I'm in trouble. <laughs> Uh, Hercules Arthur Gomez. Yeah, uh, of the teams, the biggest. We talk Major League Soccer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. LAFC. I'm talking about everybody in the world. (laughs) No. Okay. LAFC. Let me tell you why LAFC. Okay. Uh, You took the easy route. It's not the easy route. Let me tell you why. Because they were already in first place. Right. They were already killing it in Major League Soccer. They had regained Carlos Vela in that form that we'd not seen for the last two years. And what do they do? They get two of the best players of their generation. Giorgio Chiellini is one of the best defenders of his generation. He's a Euro champion, mm. and he's coming in and he's taking the best possible approach to come in. Like He's been as advertised. Hope he stays up, hope his body stays fit. But then you're getting a player like Gareth Bell, a player that arguably could be the best player in Major League Soccer that's preparing for the biggest moment in his life. A player that's won five Champions League. If you could regain some of that magic. Oh, and by the way, there's a player in an offensive piece, Dennis Buanga, mm. okay, of Gabon, who, who, who happens to be in the radar right now at LAFC. He could play anywhere in the front line. His team got relegated in league on. Mm-hmm. Anywhere in the front line, as a center forward, left or right, you add those pieces together, there's just a rich getting richer here. Do, do they have space on that front line? Do they have a need for another guy? I don't know if they want another guy. Chicho you know Arango's what I'm saying? A, Chicho Arango's a baller. It, it, if, you're, if you're a team that needs a nine in Major League Soccer, mm. Seattle Sounders, if you think mm. Raul Rui Diaz uh, can't stay fit or if you want extra competition, Chicho Arango's as good as it gets. I don't know what LAFC is thinking, but that's a baller right there. In terms of best summer transfer window, I think there were really only two choices or two like big time if we're thinking star power choices LAFC is one of them the other one the one that I'll go with is Toronto FC I think Toronto FC probably needed more uh, but I also think that they went out and and made more they they did more over the over the course of the summer it's yes Lorenzo Insigne and Federico Bernardeschi those are the guys that I think you look at and you say okay these are the difference makers not just on the field but off the field it feels very much Herc like TFC the, the once big spenders of MLS in that regard are back but it's also guys like Mark Anthony Kay, yeah. right? That's a significant addition. It, it's, Richie it's, Larea. It's Richie Larea, right? Yeah. It's, it's these moves, Richie Larea getting done kind of at the transfer deadline. Um, it's those players that, to me, really are, are, are big Unloaded moves. Unloaded Salcedo, that, you know. Unloading Carlos Salcedo as well is a big move that allows you to do some things. So I think I, I see what you're saying about LAFC. You will at least give me that Toronto FC, if they didn't have the best summer transfer window, are the most improved, right? They're the most impressive. They're they're ability to want to push the envelope because mm. it's one thing to get Gareth Bell, to get Chiellini. I, I kind of understand that because it's Los Angeles. I've lived in Toronto. Toronto is beautiful. But to go out there and say, and the rumor mill is 
over 12 million a year mm, for Insigne yes. to go out there and say, yes, pocketbook open. Go get him if you think he's going to help you win. Mm. That is impressive. Yeah, we talk about uh, LAFC raising the bar. Toronto FC, as far as Ooh. salaries are going, also are raising the bar across Major League Soccer as well. Let's get back to the good, bad, and ugly with the ugly, and it has to do with a signing. Ricky Pooch, who's about to join the LA Galaxy, of course, from Barcelona. That's the good news. The bad news is, Herc, there is leaked audio from Pooch mocking his now former teammate, Ferran Torres. Let's listen in to hear exactly what Ricky Pooch had to say. Ferran Torres. Guardiola ni lo quería. El año pasado jugó 12 partidos. Hi, Herc. I wonder if you've ever been caught in a situation like this, any leaked audio from your past. Um, uh, what do you think about this? What do you make of it? And, and does it change your opinion of the Pooch signing? Because I don't think anyone's been as high on this as you Supposed. Have. Supposed. Right. It was very garbled, right? Okay, supposed. Yeah. Okay, yes. But he's not come if out that, if, and denied yes. it. If that is Ricky okay. Pooch, then does it change your perspective? It changes my perspective of what I thought about him as a person. Because mm-hmm. it's not the first time we've heard something about Ricky Pooch. Uh, Ronald Koeman actually came out and accused him of leaking information to the press. Mm. Called him a bad apple, pretty much, in, in the locker room. Um, but we've seen this in Major League Soccer. Hell, we've seen this in the LA Galaxy. We've seen a player who his colleagues around the league was invo- you know, didn't like. He wasn't very well liked amongst his colleagues. Amongst his teammates, he berated and belittled his teammates I mean, are publicly. you going to compare Ricky Pooch to Slatan no, Ibrahimovic right no. now? But what yeah, did Slatan do that made everybody not care? He scored. He, he was won. productive. Yeah. He, he was win. productive. He and Ricky Pooch could be the worst human on earth. But if he is productive for the LA Galaxy, the LA Galaxy fans won't care. Mm. Ownership won't care. Chris Klein, Jovan Karofsky, and that front office won't care because they are right now on the chopping block. And that's what it comes down to. What can you do on the field? What can you do for the Galaxy? Because if he does well, okay, now I will reserve mm-hmm. opinion until I hear the final dollar amount because when we first it started It sounds talking, like this is a TAM deal, right? When we No, hold on, hold on. When we first started talking about this, we were both under the impression that it was a loan. Now, it's like, this is incredible. This is an incredible piece of business, but it's a permanent deal. Mm -hmm. So when the numbers come out, when the final numbers come out, I will give you an actual opinion of good deal, bad deal. But if you can get a player who was considered one of the crown jewels, and he's 22 years of age right now, and he'd give you, let's just say, three productive years and a championship of the Galaxy, and then you, I don't know, sell him later on to France, to Spain, to Mexico, whatever, that's productive. Isn't... Like, so you say that you're not that, that this could change how you view him as a person. Correct. And then you quickly kind of dismiss that well, to say, if as long as he does well on the field, he'll take care of that. Isn't that the question, though, here with Ricky Pooch? Isn't the person the question? Isn't that kind of the underlying thing? Hey, here's a guy who at 22, now 23 years old, is leaving Barcelona, is leaving that ambition to come to the LA Galaxy. We know previous coaches, Ronald Koeman, Xavi, yep. have questioned his commitment to the game. I mean, isn't this the problem, that there are these off-field things that have held him back on the field? Let's be honest. If he was a diva, if he was a bad person, but he was a good footballer for Barcelona, he would play. doesn't matter. Mm. That's just a reality. And I don't think it's that crazy to think that a guy who was a bad apple, per se, at Barcelona couldn't completely do well in Major League Soccer. Couldn't help out a team like the LA Galaxy. All right, we'll see if he can help out the uh, LA Galaxy. We know Ricky Pooch won't be at the MLS All-Star Game, which of course is coming up next week in Minnesota, and we will be all over the coverage. It starts on Tuesday with the MLS All-Star Skills Challenge. Start around 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN2, also streaming live on the ESPN app. And then Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, it's MLS versus Liga Mekis, the all-star game itself. From the land hook of 10,000 lakes in Minnesota. Not 1,000 lakes, as I said last week. They should be called the Lakers. <laughs> we all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, let's move on to the women's game. Big news for the U.S. women's national team announcing a friendly against England on October 7th to be played at Wembley Stadium. You want to know how quickly the tickets were flying off the shelves for this one? 65,000 tickets sold in the first few hours. In fact, the ticket sales site crashed. It'll be the reigning World Cup champions against now reigning European champions, provided provided England wrap up their World Cup qualifying campaign, which looks like they will do the last meeting between these two, the She Believes Cup Herc back in early 2020, the U.S. winning that game two to nothing. We talked about this matchup or potential matchup on the last edition of Football Americas. Do you see this as a World Cup final preview? Absolutely. Mm. I mean, the numbers indicate it, right? England just beat Spain, Sweden, and Germany to win the Euros. You consider the women's national team, the U.S. women's national team, Mm -hmm. to be the best team in the world. So they're clearly the best team in this hemisphere. Mm -hmm. You're going to pit up the two best teams in each hemisphere. This is clearly a World Cup final preview. You're going to see the cream of the crop and the U.S. women will be tested. The U.S. women will be tested on foreign soil because we know how good they are on American soil, but they'll be tested on foreign soil. Yeah, that's really the question for me here, though, because foreign soil applies to England as well, right? England is a team that won this tournament on home soil. What does that look like when you're not playing in front of 65,000 of your fans, when it's not Wembley that's packed. I think that's going to be a huge difference in this. I think the U.S. women, obviously, as I said last week, are the more likely of these two to reach the final in 2023. I don't know that England will be as dominant away from home. I I think they were a little bit lucky to get past Germany in extra time. And I think really, if you look back at that Spain game, Herc, they really, really just got the job done against Spain at the end. And it's a Spain without Alexia. It was a Spain without Jenny Hermoso. And those players, Alexia will be will be very, very close. Her timing will be very close to see if she gets back in time for the World Cup. But I think Spain is a very, very good shout to be in the World Cup final in 2023. I do as well. Mm-hmm. But you're telling me you have confidence the U.S. women's national team would have beat Spain, then beat Sweden, and then beat Germany. Well, at the last World Cup, <laughs> they beat Spain. No, stop talking about what happened at the last France, World Cup. Then they beat England. Then they this beat the This is a Dutch. very young U.S. women's national team. Mm-hmm. This is a very new team. Yeah. It's not the same team. No, absolutely. And it's not the same team as in England either. Okay. England is a very different team from— But uh, England just won the Euros. No, totally. I know. And, and I'm, I'm actually contributing to your point here to say that England has changed a lot, not just from 2019 when the U.S. beat them in the semifinals, but also from that She Believes Cup game, right? Neville was the coach. Serena Wiegmann's now in charge. The U.S. looked totally different as well. So uh, it'll be a very, very interesting game. That, no doubt about it. They sold out Wembley on October 7th for the USA against England will be a lot of fun as our coverage, excuse me, of the women's game continues here on Football Americas. Sends the ball right up past the keeper. South Georgia goes ahead, 1-0. Simmons drills that one. A shot at the goal! The shot. And that one blocked. Another big save! Wangda. Oh, and that one got past Sarah Fuller. And Tormenta has taken a 2-1 lead. And this will do it. And we just won the final! Joining us next on Football Americas, Amanda Vandervoort. She's the president of the USL Super League, which kicks off in 2023, as well as the president of the USLW League, which just wrapped up its inaugural campaign about a week and a half ago. Amanda, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Oh, it's so good to be here. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right, so we were just talking about this uh, big game coming up between England and the United States. Of course, ah. it's a friendly, going to be played at Wembley. Big crowd expected, but you were actually at the Euro 2022 final. So tell us a little bit about that experience, especially from the perspective of somebody that that works in the women's game. 
Uh, you know what? 87,000 people in that stadium. It was so loud. I think that's the thing that sticks with me is the environment, the sound, the energy, and then all the emotion and the lead up to the game, you know, with women's soccer is, has, has exploded in, in the past several years. And right now we're really seeing the fruits of that with, with, you know, the, the Euro final at Wembley, but you've seen um, clubs across Europe over the last, um, you know, over the last several months, really, Topping records, 91,000 at Barcelona, 87,000 this weekend um, at Wembley. It's just, it's unbelievable. It's an incredible level. But from that level, that stage, what kind of lessons can you take and apply to the USL Super League or the USL W League? Yeah, there's, I think... The focus, the focus when you look at what happened, um, you know, along the way, the buildup, the planning, the progress that's gone in to in, in England in particular, I think if we're looking at that as an example, um, there's been they, they focus on sustainability and on revenue and on engaging fans and players in the development and growth of the game. And so to be where they are today in Europe, in England specifically, and, and that country winning uh, the European title is, is just unbelievable. And it's been a process of growth and development for several years to get there. And so we take that lesson and look at how we're going to build the Super League from a from a, a position of, of sustainability as well. No doubt about it. England against Germany was a great final. Speaking of great finals, we also had the W League final. South Georgia Tormenta there getting the crown over Minnesota Aurora and what was a, a fantastic game when we featured here on Football Americas. I wonder, Amanda, as you look back on the first year of that league, kind of how you assess what you were able to accomplish in the first 12 months. Uh, listen, we had 44 teams in seven regions across the country. Um, and the energy, the excitement, we had 6,500 people at that final in, in Minneapolis. It was, again, it was loud. It was engaged. The fans were loving it. Um, we're super proud of, of the journey that we've taken to offer pre-professional soccer in a very professional manner. We've had standards and the players consistently time and time again thanked me for creating this environment where they could play, you know, soccer um, in that complements their collegiate season, but at such a high level. You know, Minnesota, uh, I'm sorry. You know, Amanda, out of all the teams that have kind of surprises are coming out of nowhere, Minnesota Aurora is one of the teams that's really stood out. And I'm not just talking about those sweet jerseys, by the way, size large, and the little guy next to me is a, a small. Yeah, but, but they're, they're a regular on Football America's top ten. I mean, how have they done it? How have they managed just come exploding out of the gates? I think it's a combination of knowing who they are and what they stand for. They really understand their brand identity. Um, so they're women led, but they're also community owned. So they engaged the community in Minneapolis, in Minnesota, the Twin Cities um, as owners. So they have 3,080 uh, community owners of that club. And I think that really created this sense of, um, you know, people coming together and building this club alongside with the leadership, alongside with the players. And so, you know, when you're in that stadium, you just feel this sense sense of camaraderie, of support, of fandom um, that, that, you know, resonates, I think, with, with their, their, their kind of founding position and, and why they brought that group together. So let's look ahead then to the first season of the Super League. And I'm interested here particularly in the differences because the way they're labeled, I think you use the term pre-professional, semi-professional yeah. for the W League, but more fully professional, right, for the Super League. Like, I think most people have an idea of the differences between pro and semi-pro, but specifically, how do you think it'll manifest itself, the difference between those two leagues and the two levels? Yeah, so we talk a lot about the pathway, right? That's something that hasn't really been developed yet in a systemic, a systematic way in the United States. So we see youth players um, going on to the college game and then maybe into the pros. But what we're actually building is this youth to pro model where players have a, a clear and direct process and way to get into professional soccer. So we see the W League quite um, complementary to the Super League. The W League today exists, like I said, a pre-professional league. All the players in the league are amateur, so they can still compete at the college level. But we have um, scouting networks, talent ID, recruiting systems for the players and for the coaches, administrators, executive staff throughout the W League so that they can move on and work in the professional game and, and be professionals in, in women's soccer, which is 
an opportunity that's, that's, you know, slim and hard to come by today. So we're, we're on the path to providing more teams, um, more professional, more opportunities for the professionalism of women's soccer in this country. And both the super league and the W league are, are critical components to that pathway. But speaking of that pathway, that pyramid, what will the relationship with the NWSL look like for you guys? Will it be something like more of a direct competitor or maybe like a feeder league? You know, the NWSL and us, I think we're all invested in the growth of women's soccer. And especially when you see, like we just talked about what's happening around the world and the explosion of interest in the United States. So we're all driving in the same direction related to, to the growth of women's soccer. And, um, you know, we're focused on building the most competitive, uh, women's soccer programs and professional soccer programs in our markets across this country as they are. And I think that that's awesome because it creates more opportunity um, for everyone in the game to invest, involve, um, you know, and grow together in, in the professionalism of soccer. All right, Amanda, we really appreciate the time here on Football America's continued success. And uh, keep us in the loop. Anytime you got breaking news on expansion announcements, you know who to call. Your boys here at Football Americas. I love it. I love it. Thanks, you guys, for having me on. The Aurora jersey's on the way. Yes. There we go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Bayern Munich and Canadian men's national team superstar Alfonso Davies in the news. He's going to donate his World Cup winnings to charity, Herc. What a feel-good story. What an awesome guy. I mean, literally an awesome guy, great role model. And, and for people saying, well, it could not be that much money, it, it could be a lot of money. Mm. 2010, um, we, we made it out of the second round. How much like, did I pay you? How much you get? It was like 260 $260,000. Yeah, I mean, well, after the U.S. government and then the uh, South African government, <laughs> it was uh, not that much. Okay, well, good good on Alfonso then. Uh, Cesc Fabregas, how about this? He signed with Serie B's Como. That's not really the news because he was linked to a lot of Major League Soccer teams. It's what he said about MLS that's the news. Quote, the MLS was not part of my plans. Ooh, he used the. That'll, that'll get everybody yeah, fired up. I wanted to remain in Europe, and I believe this is the right project for me. I wasn't interested in money. I wanted to join a long-term project that I would be enthusiastic about. Ooh, Herc, I don't know, is this uh, get lost? Shots fired? What do we make of what uh, Cesc Fabregas is saying there? Serie B, better than uh, Serie B, sorry, better All right. than MLS, than the MLS? We got to stop at, I wanted to stay here in Europe. End of discussion, okay. end of conversation. Right. Not comparing projects, because I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people that said, well, MLS is a project. Wherever you go, if you're a guy like Cesc Fabregas, that is a project. Look at Giorgio Chiellini. You could have been that type of player, that influential player with maybe something to still offer on the field. I'm not upset at Cesc Fabregas. Mm -hmm. I'm upset he's not playing in Major League Soccer. Now, there's going to be those who are going to say, wait, what does Cesc Fabregas have to offer you in Major League Soccer today? Same thing Giorgio Chiellini yes. can offer you in Major League Soccer today. Major League Soccer should have done what they could to offer him a similar situation like Giorgio Chiellini because you are better for it as a franchise, whatever franchise it is. Yeah, yeah, we talk about star power all the time. And Cesc Fabregas isn't like a, a superstar, I don't think, in terms of like the American market, but it's one of those names yeah. that we get soccer shows talking about, Major League mm. Soccer, not just here in the United States, but around the world. So yeah, I think it is a little bit of a loss for MLS. I think the reality, though, here is you have to think about kind of what Cesc Fabregas is, right? He wouldn't be getting a, a sweetheart designated no. player deal, right? He'd be getting a, look, if Gareth Bale's coming on a TAM deal, I think it's safe to say Cesc Fabregas is coming on a, on a TAM deal or less. I think that one of the, but the parts of his deal at Como is that he's going to be a stakeholder. Right. You know, so that to me is when he says long-term project. That's what he's getting at. He's going to have a long-term play right. with that Serie B team. By the way, have you seen where Como plays their games? Where do they play? 
Beautiful stadium, right on the water. That's you know, I think that, that has a lot to do with it as well. That they're, yeah. they're yeah, right on one of the uh, our producers saying he could be on one of the uh, ten thousand lakes there uh, in Minnesota. All right, hey, by the way, earlier in the show we were talking about two teams that are in MLS, kind of struggling, maybe didn't take advantage of the summer transfer window. Uh, they're going to face off on Saturday, Atlanta United against the Seattle Sounders on ABC, ESPN Deportes, streaming live on the ESPN app. Uh, who's calling that game on Deportes? Uh, Richard Mendes in your boy. And if you're on ABC, turn the sap button on. Nah. Vamos. Pesarasa now as animated as, as he's been all season. Marmouche to take. It's on. Oh, it's there. It's Sasha Kalajic. Stuttgart. Score the goal that will be Bundesliga survival. Joining us next on this edition of Football America's New Jersey native Pellegrino Matarazzo, who's going into his fourth season in charge of Stuttgart in the Bundesliga. And just as importantly for us here on the show, this is, I don't know if it's his fourth, I think it's your third appearance on Football America. So Pellegrino, welcome back. Great to have you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You look very well rested. You look full of color. What is an off season like for a Bundesliga coach? Because it looks like you've enjoyed it. Well, I don't think it's just the off season that's given me this color. We've been spending a lot of hours on the pitch, and it's been hot here in Germany. So, uh, but the off season was um, surely the first couple of weeks. You know, you reflect the season, you think about what happened and what you want to do better. You start planning the next season. So, there's a lot of uh, thoughts going on, processes involved with um, with staff, with uh, leaders of the club, and and then you, of course, there's a couple of weeks where you get the rest. Uh, where I spent uh, with my family at the beach, which was very nice. And then uh, preseason starts up again sooner than you than you expect. <laughs> but then you're you're rip raring ready to go and uh, you start. But the color, the color is from my my time in the pitch and not from from vacation. We saw those videos uh, last year. Who was that and where was that? Tell us a little bit about that, because people were uh, were really excited to see how excited your family was uh, at the results there at yeah. the end of the season. Yeah, they, they, they get together almost, uh, at, well, actually every game uh, in my brother's brother's garage in, uh, in Burton County. And uh, sometimes friends come over. It's, they get a pretty decent crowd going. They call it the arena. And I think uh, everyone saw the flags and all the memorabilia just posted or hung up on the walls. And uh, they just go crazy, you know, and it's nice to, nice to see. Every once in a while, my, my family sends me uh, one or two clips of a goal that their celebration, which, uh, which is a nice feeling to know and, and to see that they're very connected to the game and uh, being a part of it. On this show, we talk a lot about the idea of promotion and relegation, and even as how it might pertain in the future to American soccer. I got to be honest, I'm a proponent of at least the idea and exploring it a little bit. Uh, but I think that's as somebody who's not had to live through it and suffer through a relegation battle. Having gone through that now, the, the real threat of relegation, how do you feel about promotion and relegation? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I think it's, uh, for the fans, it's uh, a very, very good thing. I think, uh, you know, things just stay very, uh, how do you say, uh, the, the tension remains. And uh, there's a word in German called Spannung, which uh, I think fits very well. Just very, um, very exciting. You know, it's, um, of course, the relegation, battles or just fighting against relegation is very stressful for for coaches and for teams but it keeps keeps the league very interesting and um, the experiences that we we had um, a lot of the guys on the team and also my, my experience was, was the first time we, we went through something like that and it's it's pretty intense you know it's um you know just waking up every day thinking about the next the next game the next day uh, the next minute like what to do what to give the team um which either gives them energy or gives them stability um very intense process and um something something very special about it what are your expectations for the cam ca campaign coming up you know it's been two kind of different seasons in the bundesliga for you where do you set the bar for for this year we're gonna take it one day at a time, one game at a time, like we like we did last year. I think the guys are are uh, um, how do you say Austrian? They're they're um, 
exuding, I think is the word. Exuding, yeah. 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 A, a certain, like a focus, which is an, a different focus that we had uh, last season, um, a readiness, uh, a sharpness, which I, I like, uh, which uh, makes me very, very optimistic about the season coming up. The guys are working hard and uh, putting in putting in the hours, the minutes that we need to be ready for this season. I think very is important is always the beginning of the season, how, how you start the first couple games to gain stability, to gain self-confidence, to, to grow, to, to have uh, that um, confirmation that uh, that you're good enough, that you're on the right path, and that what you've worked for is uh, was for a reason. And so I think the beginning of the season is always very, very important, especially for a young team. And um, look forward to a good start and then uh, see what happens. But the goal is, the goal is, of course, uh, to stay in the league. That's not going to change. Pellegrino, as we look big picture kind of at the Bundesliga season, the, the elephant in the room, of course, is, is Bayern Munich. Do you feel like the league this season maybe might be catching up to the giants of German football? Uh, we have other other um, very interesting clubs in the Bundesliga, um, which I'm sure will be will be very competitive with uh, Borussia Dortmund, with uh, Bayer Leverkusen, RB Leipzig. I think there will be one or two maybe surprises that are trying to make a run for it for a Champions League spot. I think uh, Bayern Munich does have the the best best roster. They have will be feeling a little pressure this year, and they have a very good coach. So I. Um, if I had to bet on who's going to be German German champion, it's uh, it's going to be Bayern Munich again this year. Yeah. Of course, we got the World Cup in the middle of the season. I wonder how that affects your preparations and just kind of the Bundesliga in general. It's 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 this huge event in the middle of the season, something we've we've never had before, you know, to this level. It's you know I'm I'm about learning as you go you know and making good decisions and and thought through decisions. Uh, for us, it's more about how are we going to. A deal with the break. Um, how many weeks are we going to give off? We're actually coming to the states. I don't know if it's official. I think it's official. We're going to be uh, for. <laughs> I think we're going to be for um, a week in Austin um, from the 14th to 21st, uh, playing a friendly match in in Austin. And uh, after that, we'll be giving the guys a couple weeks off. And then you think about how to you know, how to deal with preparation. Do you give the guys a week off during Christmas or not? You know, for the guys that live overseas to be home with their families so it's it's uh you know you think about things and you make decisions and uh and how to best prepare for the for the second half of the season to come what do you think of the group that the u.s has drawn and just how excited are you to see this team uh, in qatar i'm uh of course I'm, I'm very excited always to see the the u.s team and, and how they do i think they have a lot of potential uh a lot of potential i you know i you know, I, I read every every once in a while things about you know you know the U.S. team well in the World Cup when it's on our own soil, but you know we have a, a good team now and a lot of potential. So I'm really excited to see what they can do, and uh, of course you always hope for them to to come as far as as possible and uh, hope for the best. All right, that's a ways down the road. More importantly, right in the uh, near future, we have the Bundesliga opener against Leipzig. You mentioned how important a good start to the season is. Uh, what's the big What's the big key there to get three points in your opener? Uh, well, Leipzig's a very, very good team with uh, very good individual players who put a lot of focus on control. They like to control the game through like a compact defense, not always high press, just closing down spaces with a good counterattack in. They, uh, uh, with their possession, it's not, they don't have a very high direct speed, which means they don't go immediately to goal, but to kind of try to break down the opponent and create numbers up on in, in certain, certain situations. And they have the skill to to do that as well, which, which means we need to be very, very focused. Uh, defensively, be patient defensively, wait for the moment to win, win balls and um, with certain speed players that we have also on the pitch to use our counterattack moments. And there's, you know, I don't want to say too much before the game. I never do. I never communicate my, my match plan just because I don't know who's listening. <laughs> I don't know if the mm -hmm. Manico Tedesco is listening or not. Uh, but of course, there's uh, there's spaces that open up when we when we have possession that we want to utilize with speed and uh, um, hoping hoping to score one or two goals and uh, 
hoping for a win. You got fans in Stuttgart. You got fans in the arena in Bergen, New Jersey. You got fans here on Football <laughs> Americas. Pellegrino Matarazzo, thank you so much. We'll be rooting for you all season. Hope you have the have you back here on the show again soon. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Always great to chat with Pellegrino Matarazzo, the New Jersey native in charge of Stuttgart in the Bundesliga. By the way, for the extended version of that interview, make sure to download the Football Americas podcast. Good luck to Matarazzo and Stuttgart in the upcoming Bundesliga campaign. Of course, you can see it right here on ESPN+. First game of the season is tomorrow, but on Saturday, mark your calendars. Dortmund against Leverkusen, 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. Coverage starts on ABC, ESPN Deportes, and right here on ESPN+. We're making a lot of baby steps because we are going next week to Minnesota for the All-Star Game. We'll be there for uh, coverage oh. of the All-Star Game Skills this Challenge week. on Tuesday. We'll be there this week. Yes, you're right. We're heading out there on Sunday. And actually, we will be doing the Monday edition of Football Americas live from Minnesota with plenty of guests from both Major League Soccer and Liga Emaki. So that's it for us. For Herc, I'm Sebi. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next week from the land of 10,000 lakes. Come on, gear, bro. like 9,000. Look at that. Look at that. Finally, I beat you on the gear front. Medium. They're supposed to send it. They didn't send it. Well, it's lost in the mail, I guess.